Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm going to be investing $300 million to establish Public Build Toronto. Following proven models from around the world, the city agency will create the fastest, least expensive route to building truly affordable homes. By removing developer profits, the city will be able to build housing at cost on 25 million square feet of public land, including Green Pea and TTC lots throughout the city. Mm, all sounds so amazing and fast and all getting it done and then it just never gets done. But yeah, here we are, week number two of the campaign. Josh Matlow is uh, all about getting the affordable housing built. And all the politicians are talking about getting housing built. And that's all we get is the talk about housing. And then we just don't get the housing, which we've needed for so long. But Matlow's plan would be to build this housing on city-owned lands. As you heard, he would not be partnering with private developers. But he will launch this public agency and it will uh, oversee Public Build Toronto They'll use public money of about $300 million, and this money would come from all the savings by canceling the rest of the Gardner rebuild. And uh, that means doing a big old U-turn on hundreds of millions that we have spent on the Gardner. And we got about a half billion in contracts already signed to do the next phases. So a lot of people will see this as a great solution, but again, big promise uh, but can it even be delivered and does it add up? Let me ask someone who might know her name, Jennifer Keysmat. She is a partner at Marquee Developments, but she was also once upon a time, the former city planner here in the city of Toronto. Good to have you. Uh, good to be here. I got to ask, you are not going to run, correct? You're not thinking about <laughs> it. You're not uh, anxious about it. <laughs> No, I'm not because I've got my um, I'm elbow deep in in the housing I'm getting built right now. So absolutely not. <laughs> well, I'm glad someone's getting housing built. Um, you know, because a lot of people are giving up on this. But I want to get your thoughts on this because you know we get all these very big bold promises from everybody in the uh, field of 41. I think it is now. Um, but but the question has to be: Can it actually be done? And does it make sense? I think um, you know hundreds of millions spent on a highway getting that fixed to stop that now and to build it. It's just like and creating new agencies, you know, more bureaucracy. What are your thoughts on this? Well, we have a problem we need to fix. So something's, you know, the status quo isn't working. Housing Now has been an initiative that's been underway for six years at the City of Toronto. And, uh, you know, not a single unit of housing has been built. So obviously, obviously that's not working. And if you look at the costs that have gone into establishing um, the bureaucracy to get that built, the procurement processes that the city has been going through, it's been nothing short of a boondoggle in the middle of a housing crisis. So new thinking is needed, new solutions are required, and you're absolutely right. I think the question is one of execution. I think the good news is um, we are seeing some thinking, which Josh Matlow put on the table yesterday. We're seeing some thinking that begins to go in the kind of direction that we have seen international best practices um, go in, you know, re- reducing even farther the development charges and the property taxes uh, on affordable units 
maximizing the amount of density that can be built on city-owned land. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, embracing a new model. Yes, the devil's in the details, but this is going in the right direction for sure. This is the kind of thinking we need. Well, you know, I'll point to the Eglinton line, which I, I drive along a lot, and, and it just becomes a glaring thing for me, and I've talked about it a few times. You know, the Eglinton line, uh, such a lost opportunity because they built all these stations and, and all this land around it, not one was built up. I mean, it's crazy the lost opportunity that they could have done with density building up, and they didn't do it. And I, and I, I don't know where the city was when that whole deal was put together. They should have insisted on it. But the fact that, you know, we had this Housing Now uh, deal announced in 2019, and we haven't got we've not got one shovel in the ground is completely unacceptable. And so that's why I think people, uh, Jennifer, are just at the point where they're like, I don't believe it. I don't believe we're going to get any of this. Um, and, and so what is it that uh, Matlow would be doing different? Because I don't think we need more bureaucracy. What we need is for the thinking and the talking to turn into actual action. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I can tell you what happened on Eglinton because I was at the city at the time and you'll notice that there were multiple reports and motions mm-hmm from my team about building housing on those stations and Metrolinx wouldn't have it. So it became a jurisdictional issue. Um, Metrolinx absolutely under no circumstances and myself and John Libby spent a lot of time over in uh, the Metrolinx offices lobbying um, with the direction and support of council to get buildings built on those stations. So I absolutely agree with you. I cringe every time as well. I go by at the magnitude of the lost opportunity that we didn't put didn't put housing there right on right on transit. But why did that become an issue? I mean, I know Patrick Brown was for fighting for those air rights and getting that stuff built. But where would the province have had a problem or Metrolinx in making sure that happened? Because we knew the housing crisis was coming then. Well, this is it was a jurisdictional issue, right? Metrolinx doesn't build housing. Metrolinx builds transit. And so Metrolinx was and still is preoccupied with expediting the building of transit, which I will say is a good thing. But the problem is sometimes you do have to have multiple objectives. And so there was no agency at the provincial level Mm. at that point in time that was an advocate for building housing. That has now been embedded into Infrastructure Ontario's mandate. It wasn't in their mandate at that time. So the good news is that there has been a governance change that will that is driving transit oriented communities. And that's something that's happened pretty recently under this new government uh, at the provincial level. And that's a good thing. You know, but, but back to the housing in the city of Toronto. Well, at the end of the day, when things don't happen, often it's because you don't have the right people and the right mechanisms to deliver and obviously housing now was not structured in such a way and there there weren't the right mechanisms to deliver and I think unfortunately because you're right there's a real there's a real lack of trust I think people feel like it's never going to happen but it is going to start with putting the right governance mechanism in place and then getting people in the right roles to deliver on the right mandate and I think that's what we heard yesterday was some new thinking that we haven't heard before about an approach that is actually rooted in international best practices. And that's why I think it's something that hopefully all of the candidates will pick up on that and expand on it. There needs to be more flesh on the bones of the idea, but it's going in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, until I see costing and an actual plan, I, I just uh, I just don't trust the process. And we've seen these U-turns before, whether it was on Transit City and all these things. We get so far down the road and then someone wants to do a U-turn. So the thought of throwing hundreds of millions of dollars away on an eyesore of a highway that probably never should have been built or done underground to be, you know, in the beginning, you know, the thought of now canceling that just doesn't seem like uh, it seems to me, Jennifer, that it would get mired in debate and fighting 
um, and, and this would push off what we need now for years more to come? Well, I don't know. You know, council just has to have one meeting and make one decision. And once they've made that decision, we can move on in a new trajectory. That happens all the time. Um, This idea that revisiting decisions is complex in some way, I just don't buy it. Council makes decisions every single council meeting that has profound implications, whether it's, you know, selling N-Wave or advancing with the Ontario line. That's something that is is a question that has never been flip-flopped. So there are things, ironically, it's the things that they flip flop on that end up, you know, being very contentious in the in the in the public domain. But there's lots of stuff that council just kind of drives forward every single meeting. Look, it's one council meeting to redirect this money. And, you know, you saw the numbers. It was a very well costed plan that came out yesterday. But we're talking, I don't know, 20,000 new units. There's five acres of land that would be freed up right adjacent to the waterfront. And remember, the traffic capacity is maintained. The only thing this plan does is it takes the the portion of the gardener east of Jarvis that's currently in the sky mm-hmm. and puts mm-hmm. it on the ground. So no one is building highways in the sky anymore because it sterilizes the land below. And it's crazy expensive to maintain all that concrete, particularly in a winter city. Yeah. You know, so this idea of just Put the, put the highway at grade, like put make it a boulevard, put it at grade. It'll have the same capacity as University Avenue. And then you can build housing around it and you can build a community around it. You can free up that land for new housing. Honestly, that's going to happen at some point in the city's future, whether we do it or our kids end up having to do it. Because it, the problem of maintaining uh, an elevated expressway and the costs associated with that, it never goes away, yeah. whether this council fixes it or another one does. Well, the warnings have been out for a while that we are in for a massive, massive problem with all oh, the people yeah. coming into this province and into this city if we do not get what we should have done a long time ago built. So nonetheless, we'll stay tuned, but uh, I appreciate your uh, insight into this. No sweat. My pleasure. There you go. That's uh, Jennifer Keys, Matt. And uh, yeah, that, that Eglinton line drives me crazy, but at least now they've changed the process. It's just like, why did it even have to be changed? That's just common sense that the wind government and who are like, yeah, you build up. I mean, I'm glad to see it's changed. But again, um, you know, can this be done is the question we really need to, to center. And, and Ms. Keys, Matt seems to think that this is a way that we could actually get it done.